Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Today, we are joined by our guest host, filmmaker Heather Lenz. She's a filmmaker best known for Kusama Infinity, a feature-length documentary about artist Yayoi Kusama that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and received international distribution. Corey Foster has been developing high-profile content for over 15 years for clients that include CAA, Anonymous Content, Lionsgate, Warner Music Group, Fremantle Media, Major League Baseball, Ford Motor Company, and many others. She got her start in the directing program at USC, her first job in the literary department at CAA, and is currently a managing partner at the creative services company Underground Jam Media, an industry secret weapon that helps many creative clients win the best and highest paid projects of their careers. Thank you both for being here today. So good to have you on the show. And Heather, I will let you take it from here. Oh, excuse me. Thank you, Claire, for the lovely introduction. And Tori, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to start with the name of your company and um, Underground Jam Media. I was wondering if you could tell us how you picked the name. (laughs) Yes. Sure. It, it definitely uh, begs an ex- explanation, I think, um, and makes a lot more sense uh, when you kind of know our, our reasoning. Um, we are just very behind the scenes. We help people uh, launch their projects and develop them, make money off of them. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're perfectly happy in that, you know, service-oriented behind-the-scenes role. Um, and, uh, you know, when we started the company about, I think it's been about six years now, uh, we sat down and had, you know, a, about several meetings, me and my business partner, Megan Murphy, um, about what we wanted to be called. And, uh, you know, we came up with tons of options and we discussed them. And it's just basically like, you know, we're sort of underground in that sense of, you know, being a little bit behind the scenes and visible and helping people. And uh, most often people come to us and they, you know, they're like, well, I've been working on this a long time and I you know, I've been putting it off, I've been trying to do it myself, and I finally need help, and now I'm in a jam because I need to, you know, I need to get it to someone. And so we, we help people out when they're in a jam, like when they're creatively stuck and just need some more kind of rocket fuel behind them. Oh, well, that's, that all makes great sense. So your company mm-hmm. offers many services, including research, writing, creating personalized marketing and sales materials. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, how you start the process of working with your clients. Yeah. um, Well, we really, just philosophically, um, I usually, you know, I really think that, uh, you know, creative people are are very unique and sort of 
projects are, are all very kind of individually specific. And so it's really a person-to-person kind of um, way of working. So almost all the time it starts with some kind of personal referral. Someone tells someone about us because we don't really do a lot of advertising. <laughs> we should probably, but we don't. Um, we, uh, yeah, so we just wait for people to come to us for the most part when they need us. Um, and so we always do a kickoff call just to kind of get to know the project and hear about it from, you know, the creator's own words and uh, just understand, you know, what they've been able to do with it and, and what they have been stuck on and just what any concerns are. And also, you know, the goals of the project, like who is this going to, you know, and what is it, what are you trying to get, you know, for it? Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of personal contact. Um, and we, so then we pretty much get a feel for, you know, the look and feel. We talk about any kind of personal connection they have to the project. Um, we talk, you know, we can address any kind of, like, technical things they want to include as far as cameras, location, set design. And we pretty much review everything they have to tell us. And then we, um, we just get to work. And we're basically very used to working fast and efficiently. Um, so we have just a process that we put the project through. Um, and we, do, we start with research. You know, sometimes we look at, you know, sort of comps research, like what else is out there um, kind of in this category or for this audience. Um, we look at artwork um, in these categories. And, uh, and then we just throw down a great design. And then we do um, rounds of feedback. So. I see. Well, that sounds all marvelous. <laughs> it sounds incredibly <laughs> helpful. So, so decks have become just incredibly important these days. Could you talk a little bit about what decks are and why they're important for people that, that aren't, that aren't um, you know, as familiar as you are? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it does seem like they have gotten more important. Like when, when I started doing this, or even back when I was a development executive, um, sometimes people would say, oh, you know, it's like don't try too hard, you know. Um, don't, you know, don't act like you know, you're trying or whatever. Um, and uh, it's really changed. And I think back then, I mean, we're talking like 2005 you know, to 10, um, that was – Still, I think pretty much the height of the star system, where a lot of things were done based on you know who you were, and who you know your professional name and all that stuff and star power and everything. And I do think that just as a big, big trend, the sort of star name system has sort of you know given way a little bit more to um, let's look at the project itself and what it has to offer, you know, um, and the communication about it you know, has become very important. And so these things, and then, of course, now with COVID and everything, um, you're in a position of not necessarily getting to do an in-person meeting like we used to. I mean, we used to meet for drinks every night at 745, you know, and personally discuss projects and pitch projects to each other. And we'd go to meetings and get those bottles of water at the studio, you know, offices. And there's just a lot less of that now. Um, and it's so much, and even then, too, back then it was like, well, you get someone a hard copy of the script even. Like, we were still doing that in 2005. And, you know, now they started emailing everything. So, um, I mean, it's 
it's these you need something that pitches the project when you're not in the room, you know, and that people can go back and refer to and that they can share with other people that matter, you know, that they work with. So I think that's why they're so important, you know. What are some common mistakes you see people make with decks and um could you please provide some tips people could keep in mind when polishing their decks? Also, I, I just want to say I hear some uh, – I think maybe someone has a um, – uh, their email alerts are dinging. I can hear them. They, you may, whoever that is may want to silence them. Um, I think it's my computer and I'm muting it. Apologies. Um, let's see. So can mistakes, things that I would say not to do or common mistakes yeah. that people make. Um, I think the number one is too much information, like too much copy, too much written. So, um, and I, I tell clients this, you know, sometimes when they write the copy themselves, um, then it, it still happens, even though we've had the conversation. But the idea is that when you put words with pictures, um, you just need a lot less words on the page. And in fact, you can run into an issue where people are not really reading what you have. They sort of skim over it. So, you know, it's like less is more, actually, you know, sometimes with these things. Um, and that is something where it's, it's pretty much like I can say that and I can say that. And it's, you almost have to see it to see how few words you need <laughs> sometimes with these. Um, so that's probably number one. Um, yeah, you got to think sort of like copy instead of this is a, you know, full novel. <laughs> that's, that's probably number one. Um, the other thing I think is probably, and, and when I was an executive, I saw a lot of pitches. Um, and I could definitely tell when someone had tried to do the design layout themselves. And it's like, it's great, you know, if you have a little bit of this, but compared to a designer who dedicated, you know, years to learning this and then this is what they mainly do, um, uh, it's just never going to, it's, it's unlikely that you would, you know, be as competitive as a, like a serious designer. So I think that's the second uh, mistake. Oh, and then I'll, this is kind of an interesting one. Um, a lot of my clients are directors, and they get asked to do these decks, and they're like, well, I'm really talented and visual, and I know a little bit of, you know, about this stuff. And so I've seen some decks come in from directors where it's literally just 20 or 30 pages of photos, just photos. And I get what they're trying to do, you know, because <clears throat> they speak a totally visual language, um, but it needs some words as well because <laughs> I think what they're assuming is that, you know, producers and business people will be able to fill in the blanks about the story that they're telling, like, let's say, like a camera person could, you know, but I wouldn't assume that. So those are three things. Yeah, that's helpful. How long do you think a deck should be? Um, it, it depends on, you know, the situation, who it's for, uh, and what stage you're at in, in your process with it. So, um, and, and it depends also on what, what format it is. Like, is it a, you know, reality show or web content, you know, serial TV or movie, right? Like, those are, you know, five of the major categories, I guess. So, I'll just throw out some examples. 
um, for, let's say, like if it's a web series, um, I most of what I've seen, it's been this one-pager format. That's something we recommend a lot, where it's like a vertical format. Um, and we call it a one-pager. Uh, it has fewer pictures, um, but it can be like three pages. But it's a quickie. It's, it's little. You know, and it, they're like, well, it's, you know, I don't need to see a 30-page thing for a web series, right? Like, especially if it's the first stage pitch. And then later, if you do, are you doing something with episodes, you'll probably be asked to provide something that fleshes out all the episodes, you know. But if it's first stage, you know, that type of project. And also, like, reality shows often do that, and they do, like, a pitch tape uh, with it. But then if you have, um, like, so here's another example. So, I had a client who was pitching something. It was like there was a trend that had really popped, and uh, they were pitching to one of the big online platforms, like I think it was Hulu, and uh, it was they had this opportunity to pitch quickly on something, and they wanted to get it in fast. And their goal was to show that they had a lot of substance in this show that could do full, you know, like a full season of episodes. And that was the... I think an hour-long drama type of thing, or it was like a, like a thriller, like um, procedural. And so that pitch was long. You know, that was the they put all the episodes, you know, summaries of all the episodes in there. I think that was about 20 pages, maybe a few more pages. Um, a typical film, like if it's a you know feature film, um, those can be. I think the kind of rule of thumb on those would be maybe like, uh, maybe like. Maybe like twenty, like twelve to twenty pages, I think. Um, but you know, it kind of depends on uh, the whole situation. You know, like it also depends on the genre too. Um, so yeah, but we sort of have these kind of general rules of thumb in each category of project. So. I see that makes sense. And what's the difference between a deck and a lookbook? Oh yeah. Um, we actually use, we often use the terms interchangeably just because some people call things decks and if they're like from the PowerPoint generation, you know, they call it that. Um, uh, I think there's sort of like a soft distinction that some people make where a deck is something maybe that you would present in person um, and, you know, a lookbook is like a leave behind. Uh, and I usually, yeah, we say lookbook a lot because it describes what it is, you know, like people know what you mean when you say that. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people say deck, you know. And, oh, I guess um, if you say an investor deck, some people say that, and then that implies that there's going to be some, you know, graph, like some spreadsheet things in there with budget numbers and stuff. Interesting. I've also heard lookbook used more for fiction projects. Um, and deck used oh, more for nonfiction. Oh, like the, like between documentary and uh, fiction. That's yeah, that's interesting. Um, uh, I've heard people say documentary lookbook. You know, like they would say the whole thing, <laughs> but we don't really worry about it. Yeah, we don't. We we you know, it's like yeah, we just ask like, is this going to be in person, or do you you know, are you going to put numbers in this? Is it you know, yeah, fiction, nonfiction, but. I, I don't think, you know, it's a problem if you, you know, use them interchangeably. I see. Okay. And uh, moving on to treatments, what kinds of things uh, do you think people should include in those? 
Well, so, yeah, so I guess if we're talking distinctions, um, if, if somebody says a treatment, uh, that can actually mean just a written, <laughs> like that can just be your written treatment, you know. Um, uh, but if we also say treatment when we're talking lookbook, um, and we definitely say treatment if it's some kind of uh, like um, branded content thing, um, because then the like the marketing people would see it as a treatment. They they talk about treatments and stuff, and in advertising, it's a treatment. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think um, you need a good cover, you know, um, that feels a little bit like you know, sort of like a little bit of a feel of maybe like a poster for the project. Um, you know, it needs to be a really strong, maybe your strongest image. Um, and we, we always do, uh, like, a few options for that so that people can really think about it, you know, and, like, plus and minus the whole thing and figure out, you know, almost like the identity of your project. Um, and then you need – I mean, I don't think I've ever done one of these where there wasn't, a, like, a um, log line in the beginning, um, some kind of overview type, you know, intro thing. Um, if it's TV, <clears throat> list of characters, the main characters, but not too many characters. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like if it's got episodes, you know, most of the time my understanding is that there's an interest in seeing does this, you know, would this thing have the potential to go for multiple seasons? Or, you know, I've seen some where they just talk about uh, the first season and then like a paragraph talking about potential next season. Um, but usually there's an interest in seeing a little bit, like not too long, about, you know, what, what would the arc of the story be across seasons and that broken down. Um, oh, and then uh, I, what I'm really into is that looking at the project and saying, well, what are the special things about this, right? Because, like I said, you know, they're all very unique, you know. So there isn't really like one cookie-cutter formula um, because some projects, might, it might be a historical project, and you might want to have a timeline in there, you know. Um, it might be a sci-fi, uh, and you might want to have some concept art in there, you know. <clears throat> um, if it's a documentary, you know, you want to make sure you do documentary research for those images. Like, those need to be, like, accurate, you know, to your subject. Um, and then I also think it's totally okay to you know, augment with some interesting visuals. Um, like, you know, just uh, sometimes people come in and they have like a Dropbox of images that are just about the thing. And then we say, oh, okay, well, just for lighting purposes, you know, we can do a little research and add some, you know, pictures that just really bring out that atmosphere, you know. So, so it's important to, to say what are the strengths of the project? And you might want to have a section in your treatment that address those. Like, you know, like, like I said, all those things, like music can be another one. Um, so just say, like, what are the, you know, what are the prominent characteristics of this? Interesting. I had always thought that a deck was more image-heavy and pretty sparse on text uh, for people who are very busy and maybe, you know, have a lot of pitches coming in. And, and then if they were interested, they would ask for a treatment, and that would be more – um, writing heavy, but it sounds like you a, don't really make that, that is, distinction. Well, again, it depends. It depends on the format. 
so like um yeah i mean if it's a film for example they would you can send them something that's very much a tease and when i was an executive i definitely responded to that like i would get things the more mysterious it sounds like it had some one interesting thing in there it would be like a short little you know they'd send me an email and then i'd be like oh that's kind of interesting um and then I and then they wouldn't send me more. And then I'd say like, oh, can you send me, you know, some more information? And then I, you know, yeah. Then you could do the like your lookbook. Um, and then ultimately, what you want is for them to read your script. That's if it's a film, right? So then if it's um, a documentary, um, we get a lot of people coming in wanting documentary treatments because you know documentaries just don't have scripts. So you can write something up and have that be the thing you submit, but you're probably going to, you know, something more um, digestible would be a thing with the photos that show the visual potential of the project. So um, we've done a fair number, uh, and, and in fact, some that have been really successful, that had just a really nice combination of images and then the written pitch. So that Mr. Kelly's project that we worked on, that was like that. That guy's, uh, my, uh, his thing was like, um, I think we did, we did a few treatments for that because he was going to a lot of different people. And he, he pitched it to people to ask them to be in the documentary. And he pitched it to financiers. And he pitched it to a, um, he got a, a, like a screenwriter for TV, atta- a showrunner attached and stuff. So he was pitching it all over. But I think that the one he liked a lot was like 30 pages long. Interesting. And you had mm-hmm. mentioned that if it's something you're going to give to a financier, there would be, uh, you know, financial figures in there. Do you help your clients come up with those numbers, or do you expect them to come to you with that information? Um, we don't do that part of it. I think we have recommended a couple of line producers to people that wanted them. They didn't have one already. Uh, so you can hire people to just crunch the numbers for you and just, you know, figure out the basic, uh, you know, money pitch. Um, but usually uh, if they're at that stage, they've already worked through a budget, you know. And the stuff that we worked with was their sort of, um, persuasive numbers. So it would be like, like we worked on some um, uh, nature films and some of the more IMAX films. And so they would say, this is the IMAX industry. You know, this is the, I don't know, demographic, like uh, that it sort of captures and this is the potential. And, uh, and then some more stuff about the numbers around nature films. And then the potential that it had, you know, to justify the budget they were asking for. So they were specialists in, you know, that particular area and had, you know, those, I think most of those people had actually made these types of films before. So they came in with these numbers and it was our job to present them in a way that was visually, you know, like you'd really see that, you know, because you can do a lot with typography to, to add emphasis and, you know, draw attention to things and present them in, like, a cool, you know, um, attention-grabbing, interesting, you know, convincing, authoritative way. That makes sense. Now, um, Mm -hmm. a little bit ago, you mentioned the word log line. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, could you explain that? Yeah. um, One sentence. 
um, that that uh, teases and sums up your project. And they're actually, oh, I, I love log lines. It's like you can make a game out of it. Um, I think there are little formulas for log lines online. And uh, one of my the places where I work as an executive, we, we used to, like in our meetings, we had to bring a game for each other to play. And that was my game. Like I brought the, um, the log line formula, and we all went around and made crazy log lines from it <laughs> and pitched them to each other. So if you have trouble with log lines, just look online. <laughs> it's a short thing. You need to mention, like, your main, it needs to be your main character and then, you know, uh, the conflict. It's just, but I advocate for very short ones. And I think the goal of it is to make people want to know more. You know, so a lot of people think, oh, I'm supposed to, you know, pack in as much information about the project as I can in that log line. But it's like, no, 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 it's a tease. It's all emotional. And what you really want it to do is get people, like, sort of whet their appetite and get them to keep reading. That makes sense. Get them excited mm-hmm. about the potential in the project. So yeah. since some ideas are always more trendy than others, how do you handle it when uh, multiple clients come to you with similar ideas? Is that is that a problem or uh, something you've experienced? That's that's like a, that's such like an interesting question because you'd think that that would be a problem, right? But I have to say, in all my time doing this at Underground Jam, I don't think that's ever happened where somebody came up with something and came to us and it was, you know, so similar to someone else's that it was an issue. I would say that, of course, sometimes they fall into similar categories, um, but I just don't think I've ever had two that were similar enough um, that, you know, we even noticed it, you know. I think it's just because, you know, we deal with projects that are, you know, they're like, they're important to people, you know, and usually that's got a lot of the person in it, you know, and some interesting details. So I think if it did happen, there would definitely be something, you know, uh, there would be things about the project that would differentiate them from each other. Um, And we do advise people on like, uh, you know, market, what are the trends out on the street, you know, like what's happening right now? Um, And we follow that and, you know, we do some comps research when people ask us to, um, and that's important to do. You want, you should do comps research because there are projects that you know are sort of similar. But we're really what we do is we we're looking at the specific sort of special characteristics of projects, and what we're just doing is you know helping you sell them. You know, so there there almost is. I just don't think I've ever seen it. You know, where there everything about them was so similar that the sales pitch would have to be the same. So the sales pitch is a unique thing that's unique to the project and the, the owner of the project. Well, that's, I'm sure that's good to hear. So anyone who's worried about that doesn't need to worry about that. <laughs> what is, uh, what's the most satisfying part of the work that you do? Um, well, it's, there are a few things that keep me doing this, you know, um, and one of them is just the relief in the voices of the clients. <laughs> I really enjoy that, you know. It's really nice to truly be able to help people out who are passionate about what they're doing and they want to go for it. And, you know, 
I fully understand, you know, the problems that um, can stop you along the way and the sort of uh, the wonderful torture, you know, of being uh, working on a creative project that you're really close with. Um, so I do, I really, you know, those client relationships are, are really great. And then, of course, you know, it's great when you see something at the theater that you worked on, you know, that you help people with in those early stages. So I did just have that happen where I got to go to the movie theater and watch this movie, Mr. Kelly's, um, and I knew the whole story of it where um, my client had come to us and he said, well, my father uh, owned this legendary nightclub in Chicago, and I think it started like in, you know, it was like it was strong in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and, um, and uh, it was a place where people like Bette Midler got their start, you know, like his uncle had found her performing in a bathhouse and just like pulled her out, or he, would, he found Barbara Streisand really early in her career, and she, you know, performed there, and just all these great, 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 and, uh, and he said, but, you know, the club is no longer, open. you know, it's closed, they sold it, but he wanted to work on his father's legacy. And so he had this huge Dropbox of interviews he'd been doing uh, with people. And, um, you know, he had like an archive of photos and stuff. And he just had so much information. And so we worked with him for a while just kind of, you know, breaking this down uh, and addressing what needed to be done in different ways and creating the materials that he needed to send out to try to get like Lily Tomlin you know, in the documentary, he got that. He got, like, you know, the Smothers Brothers. He got a bunch of people that, um, you know, this might be the last interview, you know, uh, but a couple of them, I think it was the last interview they did uh, before they passed away. Um, and so that was just an amazing, you know, thing. So that, and that's Mr. Kelly's. And so he, you know, um, he's, he did some events around it. They brought that to, back to club for one night, you know, it had like a comedian and a singer um, and like a young piano player who was really talented. And uh, yeah, like that process was amazing. So stuff like that is great. Still yeah, that's gonna be playing, It's going to be playing on Apple TV and I think um, a few other places. So look for it. <laughs> nice. That, yeah, that sounds fun. When clients consult with you, how much time should they plan to give you so that you can do your best work? Um, well, uh, you know, we're very understanding uh, when people are just kind of like, oh, my God, you know, I need this yesterday, you know. So that happens to us so frequently that we just, you know, we just take that in stride. So we have had projects where people needed something quickly. Um, we ha- I don't want to say this out loud. I'm not going to say it. Give us two days. Like if you, if you really, you know um, – needed something, we could generate something very, very quickly, but I think a better, you know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, like a week is good, uh, two weeks is fantastic, you know, um, but yeah, we pretty much respond to whatever's needed because, you know, we know how it is, <laughs> and we are also fully organized, so I have a small internal team, we're just a very, very tight-knit very small team of designers and researchers and artists, and we work together. Um, and uh, so we figured out ways to work very, very quickly. Um, so, yeah. 
I see. And do you charge any sort of premium when people are in the I need it yesterday category? We don't actually. Um, we what I say is super last minute is not the most efficient way to work, you know, because then we don't have time to send you things for review and have you, you know, give us some direction and reaction. Um, uh, and so then what we have to do is that, let's say we need to find more images just to make sure that, you know, we, we will have enough to cover everything. Um, so I don't, I don't recommend, you know, super last minute, but we don't charge extra for that, you know. And, I mean, if, it's sort of like you're rolling the dice with the last minute type of thing uh, because, yeah, it could end up, you know, costing more. It could end up costing a little bit less because there's really no time. <laughs> but, you know, our goal is, we, you know, the best thing is to, um, you really want your vision to be in there. And, you know, we want to be able to tease out the strongest aspects of this presentation. So, I, you know, it's a little bit of time is needed for that. And I definitely spent, you know, I don't know, like entire days checking through uh, written stuff for typos and stuff, you know. I think if you can streamline the, you know, if streamlining the writing process is a big time saver so that you're not doing that because if you're picking at words when it's in the design already, then that means every time you make those changes, you know, we have to crack open those InDesign files again. But it's, it's you know, so that takes a little more design time. But um, if you work all, if we work all that stuff out, you know, in a Word document or a Google Doc, you know, on the written, then we don't have to worry about that later. However, you know, you might, you usually do want to do a little tweak on the copy once you see it in the layout. So we, we kind of expect that, you know. That makes sense. Are there any other services that you provide that I didn't ask you about that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, let's see. Um, oh, I know. Um, a lot of people lately have actually been uh, asking us for capabilities decks uh, for their entire company. Um, and uh, that's really like capturing, you know, the branding and – I think and some of these companies also have internal design departments, but they come to us because they know we have a, sort of an artistic entertainment um, uh, perspective. And so, you know, if you want to you wanna make it a little more fun to read and have a little more visual appeal, um, some, and sometimes if you're just too close to it, you know, or if, you're, if your people are too busy, you know, um, we're totally here for that, and we enjoy doing that too. Um, it's very similar to the other stuff we do in that sense. Um, but that is something that we've been asked for a lot and that we've been doing a lot, and we're having fun with it. Um, Good. Yeah, oh, and then, Will, if you have copy, we can, we can do the cut down of it to make it shorter. Um, a lot of people don't think to ask us that. Um, usually it comes up, like we'll offer to do that. But that can be like a huge benefit, I think. Um, uh, let's see. Let me think. What else? Yeah, I mean, we've done book adaptations. We've done, you know, um, so like, if, you know, we've done a lot of that. Um, trying to think. Uh, yeah, I mean, just usually it's like, oh, we've done website design on occasion for projects. Oh, I know. We had one, um, George Zimmer. Uh, it was the, the, he owned the men's warehouse, 
and he has a new company now uh, that I think rents tuxes or something. And he just wrote his um, his auto like his uh, memoir. And so we did um, a couple websites for him uh, where we designed the skin of the website. We didn't actually engineer the website, but it was like here's what it can look like. Um, and I think that's actually a, a big benefit that we can do. Um, and then uh, we did the book cover. You know, so we do those things. That's neat. And uh, yeah. could you share with us your website and social social media handles so that people can follow you and your company? Yes. Um, my Probably the most important is my email, tori at undergrounddownmedia.com. Um, and uh, the and I'm in LinkedIn as Tori Foster. Um, oh, and, and could you spell I'm, your first name? Is it a Y or oh, an yeah. I or an I E? Yeah, T O R Y at undergroundjammedia.com. Uh, yeah, T O R Y, and then in LinkedIn is T O R Y Foster. Um, we're on Facebook as Underground Jam. Um, so you could hit us up there. Um, the website is undergroundjammedia.com. Um, and I just checked it yesterday, and it looked like uh, uh, GoDaddy was having some issues. So I don't know what it, it is right now, but uh, it, it'll be there. <laughs> and then uh, Instagram is at MegaVictorious. Um, Twitter is UJ underscore underground. Uh, I think that covers it. Oh, yes, and I guess now Instagram and Facebook are, what What are they, the metaverse or something? They're, they're one thing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're the metaverse or something. <laughs> yes, well, whatever they are, that's yeah. where you are. And I know, yeah, and WhatsApp is, is also owned by uh, the same meta parent, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Is there anything else that you would like to add that I haven't already asked? Um, I think this is this is great. You know, uh, I don't really have any uh, except. Are we going to talk about how we knew each other in film school? Isn't that something you have to disclose? Like, like full, like oh gosh, share? full disclosure. <laughs> yes, full disclosure. We went to USC film school together, and we made we made two movies together. We made two movies together on what, eight, sixteen millimeter? What was it? Sixteen with our well, bare hands. Well, Tori, I'm only twenty five, so I don't know about that. But <laughs> I'm kidding. But they, but they wanted to <laughs> yes. touch film. Remember? Yes, we, we did. It. We cut film. I love <laughs> film, actually. I I I actually love cutting film. I think it's fun. But um, yeah. I'm you know yeah. that's that's me. I was going to say, not I only like, did I touch it, I spent a night with it on a flatbed fueled by one pizza. <laughs> cutting yes, probably one of the, I'm not sure, you were really on top of it as an editor, so it probably wasn't cutting our project, but um, it was one of those. <clears throat> well, yes, I, I like kind of um, geeking out on the little, the sticky tape and the, all of that. I don't know why. I, I love that. I remember so, the splicing. The splicing. Yes. Yes, I, I love the splicing. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Claire, did you have any other questions for Tori that we didn't cover already? 
No, I think you guys did a really good job with everything, questions and answers. And um, I just, uh, I just really enjoy um, the energy that that you're sharing in, you know, when you're talking about all of your projects and everything, Tori. And I just want to say, keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you know that there's some people out there that are listening to this, and you know, feel free to get in touch. And you know, we're we're uh, we love. I will say this: we really love um, when you know it's an emerging talent that we can help out in those early stages, because um, we have at this point experienced that when you know it's been someone who's kind of new or up and coming and uh, we've worked with them on some stuff and now they're like literally directing things on the Marvel franchise. <laughs> so we've had that experience, you know, and, and uh, you know, we welcome, um, you know, emerging people and uh, we really try to work with them on their needs, like what they need and what they don't need. Um, and so, yeah, we have a lot of faith, you know, and, and we look for, we try to, you know, ultimately, what we've found is that um, there's almost just like this chemistry thing. Like some clients come in and we just do such good work together and there's, you know, they're starting to win jobs and make money and all this stuff. And, you know, we just try to keep that momentum going, you know, and then there's maybe there's a point where they don't need us anymore and that's fine. That's great. You know? Um, But yeah, like that's, uh, that's what makes it fun to do this. So. Well, right. Thank you so well, much for it's been sharing wonderful. all of your expertise. Yeah. Thanks for uh, doing the podcast. Well, it's been wonderful having both of you on the show, and thank you again. And uh, take really good care and happy holidays. Yes. Here we go into the holiday, the heart of the holiday season. Well, thanks again, and uh, bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Take good care. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.